opinions expressed on this podcast are solely those of hosts and guests. The view and opinions do not necessarily represent those of Memorial Healthcare System, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. Welcome, everyone. And thank you for joining us on Healthy Parenting, pitched by Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital. My name is Jason Grant Enriquez, and sitting in for our co-host, Dr. Latanya Benjamin, is our lovely co-producer, Bahati Banks. Hi, Jason. How you doing? Sorry, you know, threw me off a little bit. (laughs) It's the sun. It's such a beautiful day today. It is a wonderful day. (laughs) Um, So hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today on Healthy Parenting. We invited Samantha Utter, a child life specialist with Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, to talk to us today about the unique role she plays in helping children as well as their families cope during their hospital stays. Very important. Very important. Um, Before we get to that interview, we'll spend a few minutes during our coffee chat today talking about two interesting news topics. I can't wait, Bahati. The Tide Pod Challenge. Uh, Why did that become a thing? I know, right? Why is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) And child phone addiction. Yeah, well, of course. That goes without saying. (laughs) Exactly. All right, well, before we move on, here's a word from our sponsor. and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back. Before we get to today's guest, let's share with what's making news in the parenting world. Bahati. Yes. So, Thai Pot Challenge. Have you heard of this, Jason? Uh, Just a little. You know... <laughs> You know, these challenges, I think I tuned out after the ice bucket challenge. Right. So, yes and no. Okay. I thought maybe it was like throwing something at people or something. Oh, But when I saw that they were ingesting it or biting it, Mm -hmm. I said, nope, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Didn't go any further. (laughs) So, apparently, teens and tweens are posting YouTube videos of themselves as well as their friends eating the colorful, like, red and green and blue laundry pod mm-hmm. <laughs> detergents. Yeah. And the rationale for them doing it is, of course, bragging rights. And, and it's, it's, it's obviously it's delicious. <laughs> of you know, course so. it is. <laughs> uh, the American, well, it's not so funny. <sighs> the American Association of Poison Control Centers um, has reported that 39 cases of teens intentionally misusing laundry pods in the first two weeks of 2018. Now, it's not a common thing. Obviously, all teens and all tweens are not doing this. Of course. But it is on the rise. Um, Tide and the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission also tweeted a warning message on January 12th because of the rise in reported misuse of pods. Obviously, they want to spread the word through social media. Yeah, that it's not healthy, uh, obviously. And there is some health risk, if not hospitalization. Exactly, exactly. Because we're talking about literally ingesting poison. Because <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Because all you're seeing is maybe the reaction on YouTube, but you're not seeing the consequence. Right. They're not following you to the hospital when right. you're doubled over. So, mm-hmm. oh, it's funny. It's, you know, kind of like the uh, the cinnamon challenge. The c- Cin- you remember the cinnamon challenge? Not really. Go ahead. Do tell. Okay, the cinnamon challenge. They took a spoonful of pure cinnamon would swallow it, and then it was causing respiratory problems because of it was constricting oh, the lungs or something course, like that. Yes. Yeah, you heard about that, and that you know because they they ingest it, they'd cough, right. that, but then they start coughing uncontrollably, and right. ooh. Oh, no. I heard about that from my children who said, okay. I want to do the cinnamon challenge. And I said, you oh. want to do the what? <laughs> Show it to me. <laughs> so you want to do that? That looks painful. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> At least they asked. 
They ask yes, you. Yes, and, I, and, and Impressive. I, I appreciate that. I have a dialogue with my children, yeah. with my offspring. Yes. But still, I would think they are smart enough not to want to participate in that tomfoolery. Right, right, right. So eating pods, as we've already said, uh, it releases toxic chemicals that can burn your mouth, your intestines, as well as your stomach, and cause, like the cinnamon, respiratory problems. Mm-hmm. Um, it's causing an uptick in, as well, in chemical uh, eyes, chemical burns to the eye, uh, because kids are actually just playing with it and popping them and right. squeezing them, and it's squirting in their eye. So, um, something that I'm sure a lot of parents mm-hmm. are aware of because of the popularity on YouTube, but it's something to talk to your kids. Have about. you seen any of the videos? Oh, I've seen lots of the I've videos. I've seen one, and it's I gross. said that looks. <laughs> There's nothing appealing about that. It's not even funny. You're not, yeah. That's what I remember doing. <laughs> Gagging. And when you see the kids do it, once they bite into it, you realize like, oh, they don't even realize that mm-hmm. it's disgusting and mm-hmm. nasty. And so. it looks like it burns the tongue. Mm-hmm. Their reaction is, is like they flinch and they go, ah, and they're like, so that doesn't look very appealing at all. Yeah, okay. So moving on to the next topic, child phone addiction. So have you um, read lately, two of Apple's biggest investors recently wrote an open letter encouraging the company to provide more parental controls to help their kids use their mobile devices responsibly. Well, it it's was, about time. <laughs> it's pretty, it was pretty um, interesting open letter. So there's a growing number of studies that report that children as young as 10 are using smartphones well, yes. for at least four and a half hours a day. Now and you mean 10 months, right? 10, years. as young as 10 years old. I'm just saying, I was <laughs> making a social commentary because I've seen 10-month-olds, uh, uh, you know, manipulating phones. Have you seen, I'm have you seen babies <laughs> use their, their fine motor skills to <laughs> pinch and enlarge no, the cell phones? No, No. It's cute and disturbing. <laughs> At the same time. And disturbing, yes. Oh, my God. It's, well, this is exactly why there's an open letter to Apple. Um, a study that surveyed 2,300 teachers says that students are actually being negatively distracted in class. Uh, they opt to play on their mobile devices versus going outside for lunch. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I mean, as an adult, I don't want to say I'm addicted to my phone. <laughs> but let's, get a, let's, let's get a little time. deeper. Let's, let's get a little deeper behind it. <laughs> spend a lot of time on my phone, but as children... You know, it's almost like it's too much information too fast. You can imagine being 13, 14 years old and having a smartphone. And, yeah, it is very distracting when you're in school. I can't imagine having a smartphone at uh, 10 to 15. Mm -hmm. Listen, I was obsessed with my Game Boy. And that didn't have any internet connection. It had no color. (laughs) And it ran on batteries. You couldn't charge it. So at least that limited how far and how long it can play. You have unlimited charging you can do. You've got access to to Wi-Fi or data. Of course. You've got social media. You've got mobile gaming. You've got loot boxes and everything. Music. Music. Movies. Streaming. It's it's media all the time. Actually, there was um, an article um, where some, I believe they were in their Uh mid-20s, they went back to high school as... As, you know, to pretend like they're high school oh, like students. Undercover, undercover, like 21 Jump Street. Just, yeah, exactly. But <laughs> okay. to see how um, media devices and, and, and uh, portable devices uh, impact school. And they said, wow, you, th- there is no more control with the teacher. The teacher can't stop them from using their no, phones they anymore. It's, 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 they kind of just work around it and mm-hmm. they, they deal. I read the article and I said, wow, the teachers have basically submitted. They've, defe- they've been defeated. I couldn't believe <laughs> how many you know, students were just... Forever. Right. So I, I used to work in um, higher education. I used to work f- with teachers, teachers actually going to get their master's to become um, 
uh, advanced teachers. And right. so some of the teachers shared with me that that same scenario, like I'm in class, I'm trying to teach, but the kids are looking down looking at down, their phone. And nobody's writing notes. <laughs> and, and But some teachers are actually using that as an opportunity to engage the kids. Really? Because there are educational apps there that are. teachers are using and that can engage students. So it's like if the kids are engaged on the phone, mm-hmm. Just go there. Make it make it part of the lesson plan. If at all possible. If yeah. it's possible. Um, so the investors were advocating for Apple to design software built into the iPhones or iPads that are um, highlight three things: that they're age appropriate to prevent certain apps and websites from being downloaded and accessed. Okay. Obviously, that's a, it's a reasonable request. Yeah. Um, another request that it be time sensitive to restrict use to certain hours of the day. So obviously having like, you can't turn your phone on while you're in school, unless for emergency. So, like, a drive mode or something, or, right. pretend, or parental controls. Don't right. those exist already, though? Like, they, they, like mobile dev- controls? But they, they're, what they're asking Apple to do is embed them in the phone, so you don't have to, like, download them and search. For okay. Yeah. And the third is uh, social media aware to not allow uh, specific apps to be downloaded. So, obviously, there are a lot of apps that parents never want their kids to download. Uh-huh. So... It's, you know, it's a, it's a fair request, but I it don't know is. if Apple will respond. It Their is. goal is to make money and to No, very true. But at the same market. time, a lot of what they're asking is taking away the responsibility from the parent a little, a little bit maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you don't want your kids to have certain apps, check their phones. That's right. That's you know, right. Do, do monthly checkups, make sure, have a, have a dialogue. Yes, it'd be nice if the companies help us, but I think we're trying to take a little bit off of the parent's burden and putting it on a company who's... Responsibility is to make money, right. to rise their stocks. So I, right. I'm not sure. Right. Pinning devil's advocate. <laughs> great discussion, Jason. <laughs> no, great, great. Oh, and before we get today's guest, here's a word from our sponsor. Patient and family-centered care. At Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital, it's the difference you notice. It's what you feel. It's how we care. And it's why we've been recognized as the world's first designated person-centered children's hospital by Plaintree. When it matters most, trust Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. Learn more at jdch.com care. Welcome back, and thank you once again for joining us on the Healthy Parenting Podcast. Now let's sit back and listen to today's interview with Samantha Utter. Hi, Samantha. Hey, welcome, welcome. Hi. Thank you guys for having me. Thank oh, you thank so you. much thank for being you. here. We wanted to talk to you about the unique role child life specialists play at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital. But before we get to that, tell us about your journey. How did you become a child life specialist? Um, Well, interestingly enough, I um, went to school for nursing. Um, I was in my second year clinical and they, you know, start you out in geriatrics and I was just not having, I was like, I don't think this is for me. Of course. (laughs) My parents are going to kill me. (laughs) I'm going to switch my major halfway through. Um, And it wasn't until my advisor had um, geared me into this direction because I didn't even know what a child life specialist was. Um, But with um, some of the medical background and classes that I had already taken, and um, it was a huge interest to me, um, and I just flew with it. So um, I... uh, 
you know, grew up in a small town, mm-hmm. and the nearest pediatric hospital was an hour, oh. about an hour and a half away okay. to drive. So I did that um, during school. I made the drive and drove into Pittsburgh and did volunteering okay. mm-hmm. um, to kind of gain experience and stuff wow. like that to get myself, you know, on the on the board there, um, and I just I loved it. I fell in love with it. You found your calling. I did. That's amazing. I did. That's why I always tell kids, I'm like, don't worry if you're not sure what it what you want to do. That's it's right. sometimes come. you don't always know what it is. Mm-mm. So and today we're switching careers until we can't work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so we we all may have like ten careers. Right. Very, very true. <laughs> what specifically do you do as a child life specialist? Good question. I get that question a lot. Um, so we we have many roles, um, but we primarily provide psychosocial support here for the patients as well as the families. Um, and what that means is you know, we're non-medical, but we are clinical, if that makes any sense. Could you explain <laughs> the difference? Yeah, yes, yes, please. So we are, um, you know, in the front lines with the patients, and we go into procedures with them. We help prep them for procedures, help prep them for surgeries. Um, Um, We, you know, help the parents cope with, you know, anything that they might be going through at that particular time. Um, My role has been in hematology and oncology specifically. So um, I, you know, will help prep kids on hair loss, on, you know, what cancer is. Um, what these big, large medical words mean. Mm -hmm. It's very confusing, Um, while at the same time helping parents kind of, you know, go through their feelings and grief and cope and Mm -hmm. help them along their journey. So you don't only work with the children. You also work with the parents as well. Mm -hmm. Now, it sounds like it's like a, a hybrid between clinical, social services, and therapist kind of thing we're, is, we're is just that, like, like, like that's, it sounds fantastic but it's like you wear a lot of hats mm-hmm. right I mean and we too also work very well with the interdisciplinary team and work with a wonderful um, amazing group of social workers um, uh, um, nurses doctors physicians um, therapists we just you know really uh, here at Joe DiMaggio Children's Hospital um, the goal is to you know, take care of these patients and families and provide them with, you know, the the optimum care and mm-hmm. support that we can. So mm-hmm. that was actually going to be my next question, whether you worked with a team or alone or uh-huh. with a bunch of specialists. You want right. to elaborate a little bit on that? Um, so we, we meet with the psychosocial team. We have um, rounds that we that we have. We, we discuss where we're integral in, in their care and, you know, provide support. So, you know, we, we bring up, you know, any anything that might be happening that might be going on, whether this p- patient and family is struggling, you know, with, um, you know, financial needs or if they are having a difficult time, maybe mom or dad lost their job or somebody has to, you know, stay and be with the, be with the child at bedside, um, you know, or, you know, something as simple as, you know, just helping them while they're, while they're here. Hmm. So. Wow. So you, in addition to being a child life specialist, also coordinate the Gen Love Center. Tell us about that. Um, it's the Love Gen, Love Foundation. Gen Foundation. Yes. So I am the coordinator. I, like I said, I have a very unique um, child life position role here at the hospital. And I'm it sounds very unique. So very grateful for it. So, um, I, you know, I came from um, being 
over at Joe DiMaggio on the inpatient side for about eight years and then came over to the outpatient unit um, and then, you know, this role of the Love Gen Fund coordinator. And it's it's been an amazing journey so far. Um, the Love Gen Foundation is amazing. I mean, I, I it's it's designed to help these patients and families who are going through treatment here um, to help them with emergency funds, such as, you know, oh. if they need to have their um, light bill paid or oh, if wow. they need, you know, gas to get here to really? appointments. Basic so basic assistance. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's basic fun. financial okay. assistance to help them through. Um, and, you know, um, the founder, Dr. Nick Macy, he was actually um, the one who started this foundation. His daughter, Jen, had went through cancer. Mm -hmm. um, and him and his wife, Wendy, um, saw how much of a need there was for these families to, you know, get the support that they needed. Um, so he designed this foundation specifically for That's that. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Is it privately funded or is it can be donated or? So no, we, we accept donations from the community. Um, it, it, honestly, anything helps, whether that's, you know, toys, financial assistance, anything. Um, it, it, it's going all to the kids and the families. Well, so. Is there any um, uh, website or social media that our listeners can look yeah, up if they would they like to can, donate to feel empowered? Right. They can go on the Love Gen Foundation Facebook page, um, like us, follow us. And that's Love Gen, L-O-V-E-G-J-E-N. J-E-N. Yep. And donate, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be wonderful. So I was just curious if you had a personal story that you wanted to share that kind of was the moment that you realized how important your role as a child life specialist is. Oh, gosh. I know there, there are so many. There are many. I can see stories. the wheels are turning. I wanted to <laughs> ask the same early, question. Maybe early on in your career, you're like, okay, this is why. Uh, yeah, I'm after doing you found it. your calling, and then there you go. Um, I don't want to say it's one specific. Mm -hmm. Okay. moment, but um, I, I think that collectively um, the, the, the feeling of the appreciation the families when they um, feel like they can't do this on their own and how they just, you know, can't couldn't have imagined their, their journey without the support of, of a child life specialist going mm -hmm. through. I think that that in itself has been huge for mm -hmm. me because, um, you know, coming from not even knowing what this position was and, and coming into it now, it's it, it's such an integral part. It sounds part. so rewarding. It, Absolutely. I mean, there's good days and bad, but, I mean, these kids are so resilient and they have such a life in them and mm -hmm. spirit. It's just amazing. They they make our job fun, too. I bet their zeal just, just it, it brightens your spirit. Yeah, definitely. We had another guest on the show um, tell us about um, her daughter who had recently gone through a heart transplant, and she could not explain the logistics and the intricacies of that to her daughter. And so she actually turned to her life, her child life specialist mm -hmm. um, at Jodi. And she, she was incredible. And she just couldn't say enough um, positive things about that experience because she came in right in the nick of time. She was like, mm -hmm. I can't, I can't do it. I cannot do this. A, I don't have the clinical background. Right, and B, right. I, mm -hmm. it's too emotional to have that conversation with your child. So Definitely. And I mean, they, it, it, how, how do you tell your child 
some of these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as a parent, it's 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 difficult. So to have that liaison to to kind of step in and take that stress off your shoulders, that's what we're there for. And you know, we're there, you know, to help your child and and help and help you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Well, such an in- integral role for a position that I, I haven't heard of before. I didn't even know. I never heard of it until I got to Jody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as well. So so important though. So important. Is yeah. there anything else you'd like to add before we end our discussion today? Um. Thank you. I mean, I just, <laughs> just uh, this is my, like I said, my first experience. Oh, you're a natural. Here. You're absolute natural. <laughs> totally natural, yes, yes. You know, we put you on the spot. Well. <laughs> I know, right? No. Um, no, thank you so much for having me. I mean, um, I, I, I love what I do, and I, you know, continue to keep doing it. Well, thank you so much, thank Samantha. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. And thank all of you for joining us on Healthy Parenting. Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes uh, or your favorite podcast app, share with others, and visit the Joe DiMaggio's Facebook fan page.